Welcome everyone, this is Ahmed, uh, your host to Back to the Garage. We discuss race events, news and highlights related to the Formula 1 circus. With me I also have Basil Basha, a racing enthusiast and a driver. And last but not least we have Mulham, who knows nothing about none of the above. So, welcome aboard and buckle up. Alright, uh, hello everyone, this is Basil speaking. And Mulham, if you want to give us a touch of your voice real quick. No, this is Mulham here. Um, the extent of my knowledge of Formula One is cargo fast. <laughs> there you go. Very nice. So, uh, what are we? Uh, can we start off by celebrating Ferrari's win and not fucking up the strategy last race? Honestly, it's refreshing to see them actually go for it and get a win. But you know, when you're watching the race, I'm like, all right, they have a one-two, right? But in the in, in the back of your mind, you're like. Somehow they're going to find a way to make this one go bad. And then, obviously, Sainz's engine blew up in the middle of the circuit, right? And then after that, when, you know, it's funny, I was looking around and I saw a meme and it said, nothing scares me in this life. And then <laughs> the next picture, it says, it showed the Leclerc uh, radio window. Yeah, uh, animation on the TV. Yes, yes. I was like, all right, I take that back. That one scares me to death. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking scary. So for yeah. those who didn't watch the race, Leclerc towards the end, I think what you're referencing, Ahmed, is when his throttle pedal was, I think it was, according to them, 30% pressed at all times, even when he lets go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you might know and not know is that the the pedals on these cars is by wire right you don't have like an actual throttle body or a spring like normal cars do so there's a spring to give you the all right you go from zero 50 100 and back so it helps you like modulate the throttle so it sounds like there was some piece of fouling or debris or whatever that got lost behind the throttle that as yeah. Bassa said it kept the throttle activated according to ferrari between 20 and 30 percent of all time that's one of Ferrari's fucking engineers, these idiots. They they left some kind of fucking screw in there. and I don't know what they left. Maybe a piece of shit. Obviously, as you can tell, I'm really... Yeah, hit me with it. Yeah, I was eventually what happened exactly to the car, like what went on after after that situation happened. So all this developed, uh, Basil, within the last 10 laps... Right, Correct. Roughly? Yeah, actually, if you give Mulham the full story behind the race, so maybe I'll I'll pull up the standings of that specific race, the Austrian GP. Yeah. So we'll we'll give Mulham the order of top ten, let's say, and we'll then give him the story of the Ferraris and the Red Bulls. How about that? All and right. That way we get the development of the Leclerc issue. So um, here's the order. The order is Leclerc for Ferrari first. Verstappen, second for Red Bull. Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes, third. Then Russell for Mercedes, fourth. Ocon somehow in fifth. This guy is worthless, in my opinion. I don't know how he got there. And then Schumacher. Is that, uh, for this is a driver or because you said a name? Oh, this... yeah. Ocon is a name of a driver that drives for Alpine. Okay. And then okay, Schumacher this is, this for is, Haas. This is where my knowledge disappears completely. Yeah, that's... Got, yeah. Dude, ask... I want you to ask the questions. Yeah. But anyways, Schumacher for Haas, sixth. Norris for McLaren, seventh. Then Magnussen for Haas, eighth. Ricardo, McLaren, ninth. That's actually good. And then Alonso, Alpine, tenth. 
And how many drivers would there be per 20 for every team? No, like per team, let's say. Like so, yeah, the grid two. is made out of uh, okay. ten teams, two drivers per team. So that brings the total number okay. of cars on the on the grid is to twenty cars. To twenty. Okay. Yep. Easy enough. To so, go ahead. Yeah. So basically, the quick rundown of the championship is that you have two simultaneous like championship going on at the same time. You have the drivers championship, and then you have the instructors, right? Constructors. Sorry, not instructors. The Constructors' Championship is basically every team. Those 10 teams, they take a look at how many points did we score every race between our two cars, and that's how many points you get every race, right? And basically, at the end of the day, whoever has the most points out of all these Constructors, they win the Constructors' Championship. The Drivers' Championship is individual. It all depends on how many points you score per, per race, right? Sometimes it gets a little gray because... Obviously, every team wants to finish one, two, right? So they can maximize the their points gained in that race. Mm-hmm. But also okay. you have the game of, all right, now the drivers, they have their own championship that they want to, every, basically every driver wants the best strategy for them. And they want the full support from the team to make sure that they're maximizing their points gathered every race. And that's the beauty of it because you see how teams react whenever they have uh, they have both of the drivers in the top two positions or not honestly, not even the top two positions, but how they, how do they control? All right. Who gets what or, or who makes the decision of who needs to go first, who needs to go second, you know, when it comes to pits, uh, where you're coming in, um, if there's an incident on the end the, in the track and all of a sudden there's like a safety car. All right. Who com- who comes in first or, or do, do we bring both of them in? Do we just bring the f- one and the other one is like, eh, kind of figure it out. You're on your own. And so how are the points calculated differently between like the race team and My the My interest team? is to count how many hows you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I, I got you on post-production. We'll at least have three less hows in that oh. <laughs> so. Sorry, I'm sick. So uh, whether it's COVID or not, I'm coughing a lot. That's still to Anyways. be determined. Huh? Yeah, so what the fuck was the question? Uh, if we get to episode two and Basil's not here, we all know, we what, all know happened. what happened. That's right. <laughs> I am old. So, so basically the points breakdown is like the top 10 the top the uh, the top ten drivers that finish, they get points, right? And the way it works is like if you finish first, you get twenty five points in that race. If you finish second, you get eighteen. If you get third, you get fifteen, and so on, all the way until the person who finishes tenth, they only get one point, right? So okay. that's why and this is whether you're a driver or a constructor. Like it's it's the same. So concept, the constructor so. is basically the sum of how many points your driver scored in that weekend so let's say ferrari finished first and second that means the first driver got 25 points the second driver got 18 points okay so collectively both exactly and there is one more way for you to make an extra point and that basically goes to the driver with the fastest lap in the entire race gets an extra point for now, in in this season and the previous season, uh, they've introduced this new thing in some weekends that is called a sprint race. The sprint race happens a day before the actual Sunday event. And, you know, you qualify for it the same way you, qual- you would qualify for a real race. And it is a real race. But um, it's quote unquote sprint. It's what is it? Twenty five percent distance. I don't know what percentage it is. It's short Mm -hmm. such that there's no pit stops. And the first um, what orders take points, Ahmed? Do you know Uh, in the sprint? 
I forget. That's a good question because the sprint is such a like it's a new addition to that it, whole right, race yeah. weekend, and not a lot of not a lot of people care about it. You know, that is true. I, that is, you know what? Let's talk about the sprint fucking races. What do you think about them? I truly, I like it. Hold on, I don't like it. That's my position about it. But <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate. The part that I like yeah. about it is that it makes it gives you something to watch on Friday, right? It gives you the qualifying session on Friday. So basically, we yes. have the breakdown of the race weekend. It was like it's all over three days, right? You have three free practice sessions, right? And you have three qualifying sessions, and then you have the race. The race is usually on a Sunday. The qualifying, the three qualifying sessions are usually on a Saturday. And then the free practice sessions, usually you have free practice one and free practice two on a Friday. And free practice three is usually like first part of the day on Saturday. Obviously, sometimes okay. things change. Sometimes I think, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, Basil, but Monaco, they have the free practice on Thursday, but not on Friday. Yeah, Monaco has a scheduling thing for Friday where the event can't go on that day. Yeah, so basically, like, they start a day early, they take Friday off, and then they finish the rest of the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. So, and this new edition of the of the sprint races, you get two free practice sessions on Friday morning and a qualifying session, right? In a normal weekend with no practice, with no sprint race when you have the qualifying session it's usually all right who based on the order you finish the qualifying session you start the race right okay however Mm -hmm. when you have a sprint qualifying race is that the friday qualifying session the order you finish there that dictates how you start the sprint race and then the order you finish the sprint race dictates how you start the actual race on Sunday. Well, this is you've lost me in there for a So you say the sprint race determines how you start the qualifying. No. So, so okay. and the weekend where you have a, a sprint race, right? Your qualifying mm-hmm. session that takes place on Friday, the three qualifying mm-hmm. sessions on Friday, yeah. dictate your starting order on the sprint race on Saturday. Okay, so it's the opposite. It's the qualifying that determine the sprint race, and then the sprint race determines the actual. Exactly. Confusing, but but not a problem. And so, right. what about the the free? Is just free, free practice. practice. Usually, it's up to the teams. They want to go and run like race pace. Uh, they want to run like max fuel loads. They basically run a lot of different Fantastic. scenarios to test out the car, different okay. setups. Yeah, so it's just basically. Yeah, simulations basically it doesn't really affect any of the actual standings. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly. Just simulation and testing the cars, setups, etc. But Ahmed, uh, one small correction. Uh, on sprint weekends, you have a practice session on Friday okay. one, and then qualifying okay. on Friday. Then practice two on Saturday, then the sprint uh, race, which dictates the Sunday grid uh, positioning. Mm, there you go. In terms of uh, points, I believe it is the first, yeah, the first eight drivers after the sprint race finishes uh, are the ones that get points. So um, the first guy gets uh, uh, eight points, second, seventh, and then a point, uh, you know, less per position from there. So eight, seven, six, five, four, three, you know? Yeah. We've had the sprint races for 
a year and a half now, and it's still confusing. So that sums it up. It is confusing. I think I think it'll quit being confusing when it becomes the norm every weekend. You know. Yeah, but that also takes you back to like, what's the point of it? it is it's literally exactly what you said. You know, in a normal weekend, you have practices and then qualifying and then the race. You know, and uh, what what that means is on Friday and half of Saturday, nobody is on the track. The, you know, the cameras show no audience. Nobody is there on the track versus with a sprint race. You get action every single day. There's qualifying on Friday. There's Saturday race. There's Sunday race. So it's true. I get what you mean, but I like it literally for that reason. Is it, It's there's it's, action every yeah. day. So I've I've got a question that kind of runs slightly into conspiracy theory territory here. Uh-huh. Um, so for your free practice, right? You said you're running simulations. I assume this is televised. Yeah. Okay. Now you, as a team, uh, who is incentivized to you know keep your 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 car and its abilities under wraps, why are you broadcasting this? Why don't you have your own simulations at wherever? It's because, and I think this could be a two part answer and. I can take a stab at it, Basil. It's because I think the regulation states is that you cannot test your car. At the only place you have to test the car is during these race weekends. That's right. Is, is, that, is that right, Basil? Like you can't take this. Um, you, like I think if, if I remember correctly, like you can only test the car like over the winter vacation uh, or winter break, for example, between the two between the seasons. They're not allowed to test the actual car. They can load up the car, like physics and mechanics, into a simulator and work on the simulator. But then the drivers are not allowed to drive the actual car. And I think that applies for the rest of the season, unless you're doing like a Pirelli test or something like that that's already approved. Is that right? That is, yeah, that's my understanding as well. And what Ahmed means, Mulham, when he says, you know, except for winter testing in the winter, mm-hmm. if the team like Ferrari has their own track, they can during the winter off season test their new car, you know, off season, they're testing their car before the season even starts. That's fine. I don't think so. I mean, no, yeah. I thought I thought that I, is the case. I guess this is maybe something if you guys stick around yeah. until the next episode, we'll come back to you with, a, with the answer. But uh, my understanding is that when the drivers show up for the Barcelona test, that's the first time they're ever getting inside that car. Obviously, you have to get inside uh, the car to set up the measurements and stuff. But that's the first time you're driving the car. So the car. Right. I see. Okay. All right. I... So who knows? This well, is. This is a point of debate. We'll we'll have to do the research and get back to you guys with the answer. Back to it. Yeah. Well, I see. So, I suppose now that we're oh, go on. Sorry. No, no, you're good, Mulham. Go ahead. No, all I was going to say is like now that we have the basics, we can actually get back to the main headline of the story. All right. So there's there's a really big headline we need to also introduce you to Mulham mm-hmm. and the audience that equal Mulham, and that is Ahmed. Tell them what happened throughout the season in terms of Ferrari and why am I so bitchy when it comes to Ferrari? So to sum it up, you have for the last couple of years, the top three teams have been Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes, right? Mercedes has dominated the last, what, since 2014, the new, when the hybrid era started. And that's when they switched over from 
the cars being equipped with V8 engines to uh, turbo six engines. And Mercedes just got the recipe right. They dominated <coughs> that entire era, right? 2022 is a new era with new regulations. Uh, the cars are different. The aerodynamics are different. Basically, the f- um, Formula One and FIA, they put in some regulations to make the cars a little bit more challenging to drive, to make it a little bit more entertaining for everyone who's watching the race. That way, because the story in the last eight years is that, all right, the top two teams, as soon as they take off the line, they put a huge gap between them and the rest of the field and no one can catch up to them. Right. So the races were quote unquote boring. So with the new cars and new regulations, the car, they made the car a little bit more draggy, a little bit bigger and a little bit think heavier too, um, which made it more interesting to drive and it gave more chances for overtakes or basically people racing wheel to wheel, as they say. So, Ferrari last year, they did not have a good season, right? Their their car wasn't challenged, wasn't challenging enough. It was most of the time qualifying outside of the top ten, roughly. Why though? Why that? You need to tell him why. And it's, <laughs> and I don't know which part are you. That the bitches cheated. Yes. So the official story is that the twenty was it the twenty twenty. That they get they got caught in the middle of 2019 yes. season. So they went into the summer vacation, right? And then after the summer vacation, they came out and the cars were just unstoppable. They were like rocket ships, as Alonso would say. Uh, if you, even if you put a rocket ship, a rocket ship uh, we will still be the cars were like, <laughs> they were like, oh, was like, would take off and just were unstoppable. And then after. The, the thing about the teams is like, if someone catches wind of you doing something or something doesn't look right, they're going to file a protest against you, right? They're going to go complain. They're going to make it a headline every time they, they sit in front of the TV or in front of a microphone. And it was like, oh, well, we suspect X, Y, and Z to grab the governing body, the FIA, to grab their attention to launch an investigation. Right. Obviously, if the FIA okay. finds enough information or oh, actually, you know what, this looks a little suspicious. Let's look at what let's take a closer look at it. Then they can file an official investigation where they can come in, audit records, take samples. Sometimes you can even confiscate the car and break it down and look into it. OK, uh, just to stop you right yeah. there uh, without getting too technical into things. Uh, so for someone, the average viewer, someone like me, uh, how much control do you have as uh, on your car as a manufacturer like what what would go into unregulated territory what would disqualify so basically they give you regulations they have to follow the 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 engine has to be this size this weight or not maybe not this size or this weight but it's a v6 engine for example six cylinders with a turbo that has like an electrical battery unit and so on basically they give you guidelines to design the car where sometimes people take their ter- interpretation like, all right, I can, that means I can design the floor of the car to look a certain way so I can have a certain like drag on the car to minimize the drag on the car to make sure that I have enough downforce. So pe- usually people try to play with the aerodynamics side of the car. The mechanics yeah, are kind of similar, even though sometimes like there's variations between the engines because in Formula mm-hmm. One, there's three or four engine suppliers. You have Mercedes, Ferrari, Honda, which I guess now is called Red Bull Powertrains, and Renault, 
they're coming back next year. I heard. Are they might, yeah, are they might be coming back. So, and Renault, <laughs> right? Those are your four engine suppliers. Um, Honda hmm. supplies two teams, Red Bull and AlphaTauri, which is a sister team of Red Bull. Um, mm-hmm. Ferrari supplies obviously themselves, Alfa Romeo, uh, Haas, which is an American team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's five. And then you have uh, Renault supplies engines to themselves or Alpine. They're called Alpine, I think. Mm-hmm. So they supply engines to themselves and themselves only. And then you have Mercedes, Williams, McLaren, and I'm missing a team. Oh, Aston Martin as well. And Aston Martin, they're supplied by um, um, Mercedes engines, right? So basically, mm-hmm. the difference in the engines comes in how the engine is packaged, how it runs, and stuff like that. But ultimately, they all like mm-hmm. kind of follow the same guidelines. Maybe some of them are some cars are able to produce a little more power on the straight line because of the aerodynamics side of it. So the car is a little more slippery, mm-hmm. has a little bit less drag, has a little more downforce, stuff like that. Right? Mm-hmm. That's where like the secret sauce comes in, and. Mm-hmm. When it comes to aerodynamics, I think there has been no one who's great at interpreting regulations, regulations. more than Adrian Newey, the lead designer of Red Bull. Like that guy, he dominated, his car literally dominated the the, the V8 era towards the end of it with RB1617, where the cars were just literally unstoppable, especially with that um when Vettel was winning his um, championships back-to-back. And then obviously Mercedes came in and they won for a good chunk of time. Mercedes didn't win. They fucked they everybody. Dominated. That's what Mercedes yeah. did. So, and, or like yeah, so that, that puts us back into, I guess, answer your question, Mulham, is that basically for the majority of the, for the, majority of the components, they're similar to a certain extent, think about it. Mm-hmm. The, the FIA yeah. will give you guardrails to stay within when you're designing, and that's mm-hmm. what they judge you based yeah. on, right? And okay. they give so. you, they, you have some liberty to like, oh, well, this is what it says. So the interpretation could be that if I do X, Y, and Z, I'm still in compliance, but and I'm still achieving the goal, but I'm getting to it rather than following path A, I'm following path B, right? So, yeah, and that's where sometimes things get gray because people are like, oh, well, that's not how it should read. So I'm going to file a protest against you and let the FIA take a closer look at it, right? Mm -hmm. So in the case of Ferrari, Ferrari kept getting close to winning against Mercedes in in several years. Mm -hmm. But they always fuck up for some reason, mostly related to strategies. Uh, Their strategists, engineers, they they simply plan the pit stops and tire changes not at a great time, to put it shortly. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2019, however, they fucked it up in a totally new way, and that is straight-up cheating. (laughs) As Ahmed explained, they suddenly showed up with a car that is a rocket ship. I mean, that shit was too fast to where other teams like Red Bull were saying – this does not make any sense how fast they are. So <clears throat> when an investigation got launched by the governing body, FIA, they realized that the issue was how Ferrari was pumping fuel into the engine. So you know how much fuel you pump into the engine is governed. 
is also it is part of the formula. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a sensor that pulses at certain frequency that mm-hmm. measures how much fuel you're you're pumping into the engine. So what Ferrari was doing is whenever that and we're talking milliseconds here. Mm-hmm. But what Ferrari did is whenever that sensor of the pump didn't measure due to its frequency, right? It measures mm-hmm. and then it turns off, measures, yeah. turns off. Whenever it's not measuring, Ferrari was also still pumping fuel in between yes. these these frequent measurements. Mm-hmm. And so it was never caught by the governing body because the as far as the sensor is, is saying... It didn't show. It didn't show, exactly. Mm-hmm. So these motherfuckers, they're geniuses at cheating and stupid at strategies somehow. And as this, we're talking Ferrari, dude. I don't know how... Mm-hmm. You know, they get to such uh, levels of uh, uh, stupidity. Anyways, I'm uh, probably being Ferrari racist here. But that's what <laughs> happened. That's how they cheated. Yeah. Um, so after they get caught, the rest of the 2019 season and then the 2020, their engine just sucked. So this season comes and they're way better. Yeah. So this season, but the story was like, yeah, when last year they were like really struggling their statement was that we are working on the 2022 car, right? They were like, you know what? Let's mm-hmm. just, rather than build a car for one last year, let's just get by and focus on, focus all our efforts on the 2022 car because so they put out the, the corporate template <laughs> apology yeah. on the social medias. And they were like, we're working on ourselves. Exactly. They're like, yeah, yeah, 2022, new year, new us. We're coming back, you know, come back season. <laughs> so, and that car looks fucking sexy. Yeah, the car. I mean, honestly, the car looks beautiful. It has a pool on each side of the car. You know, the side pods. It looks very, very looks very cool. So this year, mm. show up. They show up to the first race, and they're looking very, very competitive. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Did they? Charles Leclerc, one of the Ferrari drivers, he he qualified P1. Yeah, because it was in Bahrain. He qualified, yeah, he qualified P1. At the beginning, P1. And um. I want you to say it like his engineer says it, though, please. <laughs> so his engineer, whenever he gets, uh, whenever he's about to deliver all right, the, the final position of Leclerc, whether it's mostly, mostly in the qualifying, he hits him with that B one and B one. Yeah, one. As if he's surprised that they made it to P one, but. What's funny to me is how accurately you get the tone of his voice. Holy shit. I think, you know what? I think the reason why they do so bad in strategy is because you are the strategist. <laughs> I'm undercover and I'm the strategist for, uh, for Ferrari. Yeah. You blew up my cover. That's, that's how it is. Oh, shit. So, yeah. So, like, this year, I think if they had a very solid start, both Ferraris were doing good. Maybe not, Char- maybe not Carlos Sainz. He was spending a lot of time exploring the gravel traps rather than spending time on the actual racetrack. But, <laughs> but they had a solid start. They were doing well. And then we don't suspect that they're cheating this time. So far, we're not. No, and because the problem with this year is that the cars have so much downforce as Basil experienced in his rental car when he was visiting us here in Virginia, <laughs> the car was quote unquote purposing. And that's basically like the car has so much downforce, it brings the car down 
closer to the to the ground surface, and at some point, like that downforce breaks, like the downforce cycle breaks, and the car bounces back up to full uh, suspension travel, and then it starts back again. So it just keeps on full full downforce and yeah. breaks, full downforce and breaks. So it just keeps on bouncing down the road. So the two teams that kind of managed to get a handle on it was Red Bull and Ferrari, even though Ferrari during testing was bouncing really bad. So, yeah, so they started off the season good. They had positive positions. Like the first four races, they were, there was a lot of back and forth between them and Red Bull. Red Bull, the first, first race, they didn't do well. I think both cars DNF'd um, where they didn't finish the race, but. In a typical Ferrari fashion, they managed to come back and find a reason or find a way to screw up their own race. Like they can't, and that's how they can't get out. They can't get out from their own way. I mean, for example, I, I truly, all right, I truly think the reason is is because the Ferrari a team principle. Obviously, you start getting into contracts and what what was said in each each driver's contract, but some. For your information, Mulham, some teams, they make it clear in the contract, you're driver number one in this team and your teammate is driver number two. That means any preferential yeah. and like any any part upgrades, strategy preferences and whatnot goes to you first because you're the driver number one in mm-hmm. this team. You're the focus of this team pretty much. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But some teams like to keep it. You know what? We don't have any preferences. We don't have we don't have a driver one or driver number two. You know, it's both drivers are equal, and we leave it open to who's doing good in the championship. That sounds like a recipe for it disaster. Is, and that's exactly what happened. In in for example, if we back up two races, um, in Silverstone, in Silverstone, um. So Ferrari doesn't have driver number one, driver number two, right? They're both equal, mm-hmm. supposedly. Um, and in Silverstone, remind me if I'm wrong, Bassett, but Leclerc Sainz was leading, right? But Leclerc was leading Sainz in the championship. So he had more points than Sainz, but Sainz dominated the race. He qualified first, right? And he qualified P1. P1. <laughs> He qualified P1, and then in the race, he was doing good. He was he was going good. He was keeping first position. Leclerc was going a little faster than him, so they wanted him to swap around and give... Well, let me rephrase. Charles was crying on the radio saying that he's faster than Carlos, and he wants, he wants to be P1 because Lewis Hamilton was behind him, and he was coming in and catching up with Charles. Because Sainz was slowing because Charles Sainz down. Because Sainz was slowing Charles down, so... He kept on crying and crying and crying up until to the point where they were like, all right, let's switch the order. Signs you need to let Charles go or Charles go past you. He needs to go go up front and grab that P1. So Mm. Charles was like, all right. Uh, Or Carlos was like, all right, you know what? Let it be. And then the safety car came out. Yep, I like that breath you took because oh <laughs> my god! So safety car came out right in a normal race. This full speed, everything is going normal. If you go to the pit, if you have okay. a pit stop to change a tire or whatever, you lose an average of. Yeah. It obviously depends on the track. Some pit lanes are longer, some pit lanes are shorter. But what happens mm. is that you lose an average of probably anywhere between 19 to 22 seconds, right? Depending on the track, because okay. There's a pit limiter. Uh, there's a speed limit inside the in the, inside the pits where you can't go 
Naturally. Yeah, so you can't be just hauling down the pit pit, pit lane. So mm. so that's why you normally use about 90 to 22 seconds. You've just motivated me to go and look up some pit stops gone wrong because that sounds oh, yeah. like it. that's something that would oh, happen. Oh, so. We need to talk about pit stops going exactly. wrong. Exactly. <laughs> but go on, yeah. please. So I think at the time of the incident, it was... Charles was first. Leclerc was. Yep. Charles Leclerc was first. Yep. Um, Carlos was second. Lewis Hamilton was third. And Perez was fourth, right? Fourth or fifth. Yes. Perez drives for a Red Bull. Hamilton drives for Mercedes. So it was. Sergio Perez. <laughs> so it was Ferrari, Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull. So, all right. As soon as the lights went off and it was like, all right, safety car. Normally, what some some of the safety car that means there's a safety car on the on the on the on the track. Everybody's slowing down. Everybody has to follow the speed of the of the safety car. Basically, the safety car. car dictates the pace. That way, basically, sometimes they can back up the punch and drive the the pack and drive slow, so you can give enough time for the recovery vehicles and like the marshals to clean up the track up front, right before the cars come Basically. back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's all right. You need to go fast, but let's go quick by this place to can clear it up so you know so it dictates the pace of the race so what sometimes people do is like all right if there's a safety car that means that not everyone's driving fast no one is racing so i'm like i'm i'm gonna dive into the pits change my tires or fix my car if it needs to be fixed or whatever like something real quick Mm -hmm. that way like i'm back yeah and because when you restart the race the safety car will get out of get out from in front of you and then the race will pick up and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden the pack is like right behind each other right so you have a better chance yeah. at like catching the person yeah so you're just minimizing the time it takes to to, to pit stop and you're eliminating that exactly factor. so sometimes very genius yeah, very he's catching genius. up he might be coming up for he might yes. be coming for our positions we need to limit how much information <laughs> we'll become a driver a driver <laughs> yeah so safety car came out naturally everybody dove into the pits and ferrari brought brought Charles, uh, but no, sorry, they brought Carlos into the pits to change his tires. The one that was behind. So he, they brought mm-hmm. the guy that was number the second, P2, they brought mm-hmm. him in to give him new tires. Yeah. Hamilton behind him came out and got new tires. Perez got in and got new tires. Alonso got in and so all of a sudden, Charles was first with old hard mm-hmm. rubber that was worn down and everybody behind him had fresher tires. And the way it works, obviously, the fresher your tire is, you have more grip, the faster you go, and stuff like that. I am fuming just <laughs> listening to the shit. Because how, how do you make that decision not to pit Leclerc, knowing that there's laps to go after the safety car goes? I mean, oh my god, I feel like I have diarrhea <laughs> Because of how much I hate this shit. Like, in fact, be right back. Let me go to the bat. No, I'm kidding. Wait, holy shit, like he's dude! Holy the race shit. leader. How do you like? How do you come with the determination that you're not going to bring your race leader, who is fighting for the championship points, the maximum championship points? You decide. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't know what. We're not going to bring him in. We're just going to bring the second guy in. Like, it just literally. And on average, which who would you say is? more consistently like a p1 person the first guy the guy that was first leclerc so on what basis did they let the other guy go ahead of him <laughs> on the basis that they are ferrari on the basis <laughs> on the base. that the strategy 
Yeah, on the basis that an yeah, idiot. The, yeah, whoever like the strategist of the team who has like a huge weight on their shoulders, like all right, because mm-hmm. what sometimes people do is like they bring in both cars at the same time and they call they stack up the cars, right? First car first car comes in, they swap the tires, they pull out, and then the other car pulls in right behind them, right? That way you got two mm-hmm. cars, two fresh tires, or eight fresh tires. Ready to go. Both yeah, yeah, both cars are on like equal equal <laughs> grounds. But no, they decided to just bring in the car that was the second car in and left the first guy out hanging out there. And Charles obviously and fuck yeah, pretty much they let him, mm-hmm. him hanging to dry, basically. They're like, Yeah, you know, you, and then he yeah. started complaining about it. He was like, Hey, did the people behind me pit or what? And they were like, Yeah, everybody behind you has fresh tires, basically. So we we're like, Yeah. Tough luck. So then, here's the part that blows my mind away. <laughs> Not me. Yeah, exactly. They were like, <laughs> gone. he's gone. Um, they asked Science Carlos, the guy that was P2, they had the audacity mm-hmm. to go up to him on the, on, the, on the team radio, and they were like, hey, so do you mind when we restart this race, do you mind if you give Charles a 10 car length gap, like you back up away from, from Charles by 10 car length? I did not fucking what? hear that shit to accomplish, to, to basically slow down the people behind so that they can't overtake the both Ferraris. Yeah, basically that mm. means you give enough space for Charles to drive off and, mm. then, you, and then you can start chasing behind him. Because that means they basically try and wow. neutralize the threat that's coming from Hamilton mm. and everyone else behind them was fresh tires. And they're they're asking this of the guy who was at the first yes. position, and that they kind of like they asked they're just kind of screwed over. I see, and then they screwed him over, and then we're like, "Can you delay everyone yeah. else for him?" Is what you're saying exactly and as a that, defense that, mechanism. Yeah, I don't think my brain is accepting that information, but exactly, no I one does. Even <laughs> even my newborn fucking child. Sorry, mom, I have one. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like, if I had a newborn fucking child, even he or she would not comprehend the amount of shittiness. Like how? Like that would involved here. Why would you? Like, how do you feel it like justified to go in and ask such a request? But what I liked, what I liked from Carlos is that he stood up for himself. He was like, "No, no, no, no." He was like, he was like, you're not going to do this to me." Basically, it was like, if I do that, if I give him ten car lengths, Hamilton is going to overtake me, and my race is over. Dude, I did not hear. I need to check that out. That's an interesting oh, thing no, to hear. Oh, no, no. He like, actually stood up for himself, and I actually liked it. He was like, no, 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 no. Because you know Carlos. He'll say, he'll say, uh, he'll speak up his mind. He was like, no, 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 no. I was like, you're not going to do this to me. He was like, no. I was like, I was like no, 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 no. He was no, like, We're no, not, I'm not, no. not going to lose like that. So, uh, honestly, I have to applaud Ferrari. Because that, that decision that they made, it gave us like one of like the most thrilling couple laps worth of motor racing basically you're talking about austria the no, last no, no, no. i'm talking about uh, silverstone uh, when hamilton perez and leclerc were all going yeah. back and forth at it like, that was just thrilling you know um yeah, yeah, but yeah. ultimately at the end of the day charles who was first ended up finishing p4 that's right so he went from Insane. first that's right. to fourth because his stream his team screwed him over 
when first and second for Ferrari was easy. Yeah, otherwise. so they went from first and yeah, second. Talk about shooting your own self on the foot. That's crazy. Exactly. They not only shot him, they shot themselves on the foot because it's mm-hmm. their car is going in a worse yeah. position. So they went from first and second, like the absolute maximum points you can score in a, in a, in a, in a race weekend to first and fourth. And fucking hate and, that guy. And oh Charles needed the points because his main rival in the in the championship, Max Verstappen, had had a terrible race and he finished P7. So that was his chance to maximize the points gained to reduce the deficit between him and Max Verstappen, who was leading the who was leading the the championship. But no. Yeah, that's right. No, Ferrari had other plans. That's right. I'm sure we'll see a lot more of that kind of shit sooner or later, I guess, in coming events. I do have new news that might be interesting to you. Michael Massey. Did you hear? He left the FIA. I think this is, uh, unfortunately, this is going to have to be a whole other episode about who Michael Massey is. Right, right. What's his role in the 2021 championship? Actually, we should talk about that next time. I think time. so. We probably should, yeah. I think it would probably be a good chronological thing to talk about, like uh, the end of last season into, and then how it affected the start of the season. I Honestly, I think the end of last season, like it, it was, it was so interesting. Like it, and let's just say, as someone who has never in my life tuned in into anything Formula One, being able to hear and read about that means it's probably a very big deal. Oh yeah, like yeah, that's that's a good idea. I think to to give a <clears throat> the ending summary of last season and then summary of the beginning of this season, and then we start race by race. I yeah. guess. Yeah, we'll do a quick recap of how we ended last season and how we started, and that obviously led to a very interesting summer with all the news back and forth and the meetings with the FIA and. And the back and forth, all the protests from Mercedes and so on. So, so yeah, we'll definitely try to address that in the next episode. Um, okay. Sounds good. But, gentlemen, I think that brings us up to uh, the tail end of our first episode. Season yeah, so, yeah, the next upcoming race is going to be the French Grand Prix. And it's going to be at the Circuit Paul Ricard. So... Um, are we uh, thinking to maybe do a meeting next week this time to discuss a summary of last and this season? Absolutely. That way we have an open you know, spot Yeah. without a race event. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we'll bring all the tea from the end of last season and they'll keep us busy. So as we, yeah, as we come up to our, the end of our first episode, how do we feel about this? Very, very good. Yeah. I like it. I like the talks. Yeah. I'm looking forward for more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we're looking forward to bring in more information and um, more of the casual talks to bring everybody to speed on a on a lighthearted note. You know, so definitely appreciate all the input from uh, both of the gents. Appreciate you, absolutely. Having me. We appreciated. We appreciated I... providing you with all the information. Actually, I think Mulham is the most important uh, continuous guest here because he, he, he represents most people audience wise. 
I think. But we'll see how that goes. If uh, if we realize that he doesn't, maybe we'll kick him out. Yeah. But. <laughs> Don't be comfortable, Mulan. Uh, we'll see 200 episodes later when it's just me and uh, Alonzo. <laughs> <laughs> I let him know your opinions about him. I love Alonzo. Uh, we'll we'll uh, recite some of his radio messages often. I will. I will <laughs> Absolutely. Guess. Yeah, most likely. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, we appreciate everyone for tuning in for our first episode. And um, until we meet you next time, be safe. Okay. Stay safe and God bless. Peace. Salam. Peace. Salam. Peace.